0: Hi, this is Andy McCluskey from Orchestral Manus of the Dark, and you're listening to P.F.'s Tape Recorder.
1: Hello there, I'm P.F., this is my tape recorder. Coming up, an interview with remix artist Roger Erickson.
0: My brother's seven years older than me, so all of his music that he was into when he was like 17, I was 10. So I started early, so when I was like 10, 11, ish, I started getting into it, and we had heard uh, Forever Live and Die on the radio, but we didn't know who sang it. We had just ca- caught the last bit of it, and I'm like, this is an awesome song, gotta find out. We spent probably at least three weeks calling the radio station, and no one could answer it, because we didn't even know how to describe it.
1: I don't know how to describe Roger Erikson any other way than remix artists. He's not really a DJ, although I thought he was from his name. When I first saw him, I thought, this guy must become some kind of Swedish DJ, because because he does official remixes for custom maneuvers in the dark. He's done bootleg remixes for orchestral maneuvers in the dark, and many, many more, and I kind of became friendly with him on Facebook via the OMD Facebook group, and we are of like mind. He's a little younger than me, but we still like all the same stuff. We discuss OMD, of course, 80s music in general, 12-inch singles, remixes, and a whole lot more. It's a fascinating conversation, and I hope you enjoy it. Uh, Even though this is a regular episode, there's no dumb bit, so we're just going to go right to the interview with Roger. Uh Remixer Extraordinaire, which is how I first, uh, uh, you first came to my attention. Um, it was uh, kind of strange, actually, how you came to my attention. I guess it was back during, we're both Orchestra and Maneuver in the Dark fans, uh, folks should know, if they don't already. And uh, I guess I'd gotten the, there was a disc for The History of Modern, the single, Remixes. And weirdly, I got it at Dave & Buster's because I won enough tickets to make a CD. And weirdly, in the machine, nice. one of the ones you could make was the one for History of Modern, the <laughs> CD single. I'm like, I'm having that. So I took it home wow. and I'm looking at it. And, like, there's a bunch of mixes on it. And there's one Roger Erickson. I'm like, oh, this is pretty. And two of the mixes on it are really good. And one of them is yours. And the rest are, eh. Oh, and the OMB one's really good. But I was like, well, wow, this guy gets it because... Lottery mixes now don't really sound like the song, including some of the yeah, ones I own yeah. commissions to do now. They're not really. I mean, I get them just to have them, but they're really not very good. So I never listen. No, to No, they don't
0: sound anything like the originals. Yeah,
1: exactly. And but you just make it different enough that it's still the song, but you use a different sound, or maybe you put a little uh, arpeggio behind it, or a little sequencing behind it, and it and it's really cool. So. I was on the OMD page one day and you just commented randomly on something and it's Roger Eric. I'm like, "Wait, are you the Roger Eric? Uh, Roger Erickson? You're like a big celebrity, man." Um, yeah, right. <laughs> <laughs> I was like, oh, I, was, I was I was so fanboying. But um well, let's go back to the how did you get to remix songs for Orchestra
0: Maneuvers? Yeah, sure. So, uh, oh, back in the in the 90s, you know, when I was like just finishing up high school and stuff, I used to DJ a bit here and there and eventually got into synthesizers and keyboards and the huge and I'd taken some piano. And anyway, over time, got into really into orchestrating and into synthesizer use. And then just mainly because of so much the same music probably you're into, like, yeah. you know, Erasure and Depeche and New Order and things like that were all the and, and I was just a, a shy, nerdy kid. So that was like the best way to cross both streams of music and, and my computer power nerdiness. Anyway, and so I started remixing in like the late 90s, just kind of tinkering around with old reel to reels and really archaic ways of doing it. And then Same. 2000, oh, what was that? Same. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> I'll, I'll explain And then that around, And then around 2000, uh, I think 2001, 2002, my wife got me Sony Acid for Christmas, some something like that. And so I started messing with that. And then I got into digital audio workstations and kind of upgraded from having the old hardware synths like my old Korg and Yamahas and stuff and moved into that. And so I started remixing. And, and one of the original first ones I ever did was um, a Depeche Mode remix. I did a remix back like in this 96 97ish of um I sometimes wish I was dead that was on speaking spell oh, and yeah. what happened was I I went to a a, a store up in Salt Lake you know I, I live here in Utah and I was up in Salt Lake at a at a record store and found this bootleg uh, ultra rare tracks compilation of Depeche Mode which back in the day were pretty cool and they had my remix on there that floated out onto the internet through the old uh, com line message boards and had attributed it to a band, attributed to the band, like a lost remix. I'm like, oh, well, it was good enough for that. Wow. So then I started, yeah. And then I then I did uh, OMD, I started doing uh, OMD, and the first one I did was there was a Genetic Engineering, did a remix of that, and that's when I met uh, and talked to Pat Fetty, who is, you know, synonymous with OMD at this point. Yeah,
1: I've tried to get and him on had,
0: the show, and
1: he doesn't seem keen.
0: <laughs> <laughs> he's, he's a cool guy. He's, he's yeah. a busy guy, though, man. Holy we, cow.
1: We emailed back and forth years ago, um, and but he never, I say, hey, you should come on the pod, cause I, you know, if I could talk to somebody else about OMD besides myself and yeah, yeah. he just didn't seem keen. But anyway, so you get front, you're friends with Pat Fetty and
0: <laughs> yeah, yeah. Well, so, so he he started posting him on his, his website. He used to run back before the OMD official board was up. And, um, over time I started just doing more remixes because I started, people seemed to like him and I was like, Oh cool. And it, it was something I enjoyed doing on my downtime. And, uh, eventually I did one of sister Marie says when they did the, um, the, when that leaked before the new OMD album, at yeah. that time, the new one, when the English Electric. Not English Electric, was it was History Modern. History Modern, yeah. And um when that leaked, and I remixed it and put it out there, and it got uh, a lot of hype on the message boards back of the day. And Andy McCluskey reached out to Pat and said, Who is this guy, and why are they liking his song better than the original? And, <laughs> it's and so, so good. Then, and then, <laughs> yeah. And so yeah. it cut, kind of, then I, then he wanted me to do a sample remix. Andy did. So I did a, uh, if you wanted, I remixed that form and sent it back and that kind of led to them sending a little contract and email form to do wow. history of modern. I, I did that one and, and Metro land. And those have been the two I've done for them so far.
1: Yeah. Really, uh, really yeah. good. And as so far the unofficial ones, uh, you did that one of um, woman three, which you sent me, oh, yeah. which is really good. And dollar girl, I love the dollar girl one.
0: Yeah. So it, it's just, it, it just fun. It's just something that was stress relieving after working, you know, so <laughs> just doing it on my side time.
1: I think you're a little younger than me, but not much. When did you first become aware of, like, the 12-inch slash remix as a thing? Probably,
0: so, it goes back probably 86, 87-ish in that area. Okay. Um, I, I was like the first album I ever owned was Tears for Fear songs from the big chair. Then like two months later, I bought uh, Black Celebration by Depeche Mode mm-hmm. and it came with the uh, extended remix of But Not Tonight on it. I don't know if that yes. was on the CD. Yep, It was like 80, 87. Yeah. And so that's why I started getting into the, the extended remixes that way. And remixes for the most part, particularly in the late 80s and early 90s, were awesome. They, you know, expanded oh, yeah. on the song. They brought up stuff. And then I noticed kind of in the late 90s, you started getting into the drum and bass underworld remixes that sound nothing like the original song and maybe yep. they'll have like a word from the the song in there but nothing it's the same different key different tempo it's not even the same song yeah and i kind of dropped kind of dropped out of you know listening to a lot of the remixes at that point but yeah
1: it's uh funny because i was trying to, when prepping for this interview i was trying to think when i first figured out what a 12 inch single was and it probably was freshman year of college. Uh, I was driving around, it was right before I started doing my, uh, training at the radio station there, and I heard Everything Counts Larger Mounts mix, which is oh, yeah. one of my favorites. And I'm like,
0: oh, is that, is that the, I... The, the Tim Simenon one? Whatever the one is. Or was that the, uh, on 101? No, no, the, uh,
1: the, the original 12-inch.
0: Oh, the original. Oh, The okay, Larger the, Mounts one, 15-inch. yes.
1: I, so I hadn't even heard the 7-inch version yet. I'd only heard the Remix. Oh, no. I, I started to piece things together, and then I was wearing the Thompson Twins at the time. And started discovering that, oh, this is the 12-inch... And there used to be a show in Pittsburgh uh, where I lived part-time. It was called the 1260 Club. It was on WYDD at midnights. And when I'd go home, uh, my buddies would always listen to it. We'd drive around, and and it was on at midnight, and it would play 12-inch remixes of everything. And that's when I kind of got into it, yeah. And then I made a half-hour mix of Love on Your Side using the 7-inch, the B-side, which is Love on Your Back, which is a really light instrumental of the A-side, and then the uh-huh. two sides of the 12-inch, Rap Boy, Rap, and No Talking, which is uh, a, it, the regular version extended, but then the flip side is the dub version. And then mix it with a little In the Name of Love, and you get a half-hour. Oh, cool. Free, yeah, it's on a cassette. Kind of like a mega mix. It was a mega mix, yeah, yeah. Yeah, as they used and, to call us uh, back in the day. Yeah, yeah. and uh, and but did it just using a cassette tape recorder and a turntable. And you know, having to guess the timing because the yep,
0: exactly. d- difference I remember in space. Yeah, you you would try to hit the you hit try to hit the pause button all the way down Right, of slightly hold the pause button until you got to the next beat. Yeah, exactly.
1: And you had to <laughs> account for the fact that the record head and the play head are, you know, are physically a half an inch apart, so there's that separation yep. there. And then when it came to learn to like cutting tape in college, I figured well I could probably do this, but I didn't have a real to real tape recorder, so yeah, and, uh, yeah. It didn't it didn't do me any good. So and
0: splicing uh, cassette tape tape is not, not feasible. No,
1: not at so. all. No, so I just had to do it do it that way. Yeah, that was my first uh for into remixes and I yeah, I loved them. And what's weird is is that I didn't realize so much later on that remixes were more sort of a dance thing and I went to clubs and stuff, but I was much more mm-hmm. interested in the music because as Niall Rogers explained when he kind of helped create the format that it, you could break the song down and if its interesting bits or you could bring other parts up in the song. And I always thought that was really intriguing. Um, especially with like everything counts, for example, it starts off with just that little keyboard riff and then, you know, yeah, goes, goes from there. So, um, how did you get into orchestral maneuvers?
0: Uh, so that would, that would go back about, like I said, like 86, 87. I would my, so there's me and my brother and my sister were, my brother's seven years older than me. So, All of his music that he was into when he was like 17, I was 10. So, you know, so I started early. So, when I was like 10, 11 ish, I started getting into it. And we had heard uh, Forever Live and Die on the radio, but we didn't know who sang it. We just caught the last bit of it. I'm like, this is an awesome song. Gotta find out. And it spent. We spent probably at least three weeks calling the radio station, and no one could answer it because we didn't even know how to describe it. And then eventually, huh. we heard it finally, and went and picked up the Pacific Age, and that's how I got into OMD. But it really didn't. OMD didn't really become the forefront until Sugar Tax for me. That Sugar Tax huh. album was just amazing to me.
1: Yeah, it's um, and it's uh, kind of weird too, of course, because it's just Andy. It's there's yeah, no Paul yeah. involved. And it's the only album that Paul has absolutely no writing credit on. And uh, yep. yeah, I was listening. I was on a, a buddy's radio show in California. Uh, we'd always wanted to do his show, and we. I said, "Well, I'm coming out to California, and the wife has given me permission to come to Studio City and do the podcast." And so he, he emails me, and his second favorite, his favorite group is Cheap Trick, His second favorite group is UFO. And uh, he's a few years older than me. And so he writes yeah. back and goes, UFOMD. And I'm like, dude. <laughs> so he played. The, and, and the premise was it, his his second favorite group, my second favorite group, um, my other favorite group is the Beach Boys. Um, nice. And they're only in first place because I've liked them longer and they have more albums. So that's, just, that's yeah. the tiebreaker. Yeah. But really, it's it's a one in one situation. But that so, was the so premise.
0: Just aside that what's you feeling on the whole Mike Love situation now.
1: Oh, the, what's the, on which Mike Love situation? Is there a
0: new one? Yeah, just with, with, him, with him being, you know, the, the Beach Boys now. Without- oh,
1: yeah, yeah. That I don't have a problem with that. Here's the thing. I'm Team Mike, and not that I'm not Team Brian. And here's the funny thing uh-huh. in the Beach Boys universe. Team Brian hates Team Mike. <laughs> team Mike loves Team Brian. We have no problem huh. with Brian. Brian's not up to it, and that's fine. And he can't, oh, travels at his own pace. He cannot keep up the pace that, that Mike and Bruce Johnson, who's the other part of the Touring Beach Boys, uh, is and, and Al, you know, tours with Brian and and helps him out and and things like that and that's fantastic. But yeah, I don't get the Mike Love hate at I, I all. Didn't either.
0: I, I I wasn't even aware of it until probably like ten years ago. Oh was, yeah, you know, yeah. Reading online, I I mean, I just knew the Beach Boys for their music. Yeah. Anyway, sorry to sorry to take you on that. Oh no no I I'll talk Beach Boys all day man.
1: Oh no no I am totally uh, I've been I've been on a huge Beach Boys kick too because of the uh the feels feel flows box set that came out. And uh, I was going to say, the only knock I have on Mike Love at all is when he denied paternity to his first kid. And then when she was uh, in the 80s, she, uh, I think, had liver cancer. And she reached out to him, and he never responded. And he said that he, you know, that he would never got the messages, that when he, by the time he found out, it was too late. And I'm thinking, well, I know people think yeah. they're doing this. T- well, as a journalist, I know this is true, that people... Think they're helping the stars by insulating them from like family members and things like that. So maybe it was that. All the other stuff is complete nonsense. (laughs) All the other, he he hurt the Rolling Stones' feelings at the Rock and Roll Hall of Fame. Shut up. Yeah,
0: yeah. I'm sure the Stones
1: can take it and they got a laugh from it. But yeah, that's the only thing you're
0: hurting. I'm sure. Yeah,
1: yeah. Yeah. And I think I think I thought probably they all those guys found it hilarious. But
0: so yeah, sorry, didn't mean to take your attention. No, no, no. no, I
1: love like I said the two my two favorite groups. So to that point is omd your favorite group or where do they rank in your uh, rankings
0: they're in the top five i i always have a hard time ranking
1: yeah yeah um, same
0: particularly i think it has to go by like time period and genre like for instance you know like 1990 88 through 90 would be like really heavy in the depeche mode area mm-hmm. but then since alan wilder left depeche ah, d- oh, diminishing return yes
1: yes oh and my god so, so i had a guy on the show uh a friend of the guy that had me on his podcast, uh, his name is Caleb Bacon, n- nice young man. He had a podcast where he interviewed porn stars, and his female <laughs> friends got mad at him for it, and uh, and when he got married, he couldn't do it anymore, so he t- did a oh, new podcast. Howard
0: Stern did it for years, man. I
1: know. No one got mad at him. And then, <laughs> so Caleb switched doing, a, a, I think it was... Uh, not that It was a podcast about uh, le- how to be a man, lessons in being or something like that. He would have guys on to uh, have these life stories. He had one guy on that would, had been kidnapped in Mexico twice, so, and that, yeah. and what he'd learned from it. So that was what he did with his next podcast. Anyway, I discovered along the way he was a Depeche Mode fan, but he's like way younger than us, and mm-hmm. he came. It fascinated me. He came on. A, he came on board after Wilder left. Like way after mm-hmm. Wilder left. He was in yeah. Las Vegas, and he was in a club, and he heard them, and it was like a post-Wilder. Change. He's like, these guys are great, and you got into them. And I'm like, that just blows my mind. Because <laughs> yeah, yeah, I'm with yeah. you. After Wilder leaves, Precious is a good song, and
0: yeah, I'm out. Uh, the one that blows uh, that blows my mind is when when people say they love the Exciter album. I, I can't wrap my head around that. Yeah. Excuse like, <laughs> me, whatever.
1: Yeah, I just – I try to go back and listen. I, <laughs> I listen to Gahan's new album. Yeah. It's fine. You know, it's, yeah. Just,
0: it's, I, I just, my, my my qualm with them now is, you know, I got into Depeche because they weren't the rock band. Yeah. They were the alternative. And then after a while, they're left and Dave wants to be Mick Jagger and it just, yeah. Ends, it, it's like they're the, the band that they rebelled they against. Did, and
1: yeah. <laughs> they didn't want to become in the first place. Yeah. Yeah, exactly. Ah. So who else is on the list?
0: Oh, uh, like I say, New Order, Pet Shop Boys, yep. Yep. Erasure. I I'll go along uh, with those. And then I then I then I have some, you know, slight EDM influences like Front Two Four Two or Oh like yeah. yeah. Uh, like Night Sereb. Um and then uh, just kind of everywhere. Anything box, some of these bands like that. I mean just you about mention anything like, you know, postmodern new wave alternative stuff from the late eighties to through the nineties. I pretty much into it the only stuff i you know don't really listen to is rap or country but not against those i'm just saying just not not in my playlist
1: exactly yeah not not in the wheelhouse my kids are into k-pop right now uh Uh, as well as indie rock although my daughter (laughs) just switched back into listening to declan mckenna we listened to his album on the way to the movies yeah yeah he reminds me a lot of um roddy frame vasta camera yeah yeah Yeah, yeah. a lot but camera yeah with a huge Teenage following, which is which is weird. Um, yeah, for me it's one and two with the Beach Boys and OMD, and then I did a series of on the podcast here called PF's third favorite band question mark, and it turns uh-huh. out the Killers are my third favorite band. Oh, nice. Yeah, and then after that it's uh, I I would be lost, but um, yeah, I've been going through now because I used to interview comedians, but since I haven't been to any comedy shows, I've been trying to you know figure out how to keep the show alive, uh, doing interviews like this occasionally, but I've been making it more of a music podcast. So I've been ranking. Mm-hmm. The 10 songs of, we did uh, Human League last week and R.E.M. the week before, and uh, I have a lot of unpopular opinions. Weirdly, a lot of groups that should be higher up in my chart really aren't like U2. I like U2 just fine, The Cure. I like The Cure just fine. My wife is still one of her favorite bands, but it's like...
0: Yeah, my wife too. Yeah, Yeah.
1: I'm not a a huge (laughs) stan, and what drives my wife crazy is we are the polar opposite on The Cure. Her favorite album is pornography. <laughs> favorite song play for today. I'm all oh. the head, the, um, the the head on the door, and uh, in between days.
0: <laughs> oh, nice. I'm yeah. a disintegration fan. That one. That oh, one really see, I'm not. Album, I'm not
1: keen. Yeah, when I was in radio in Pittsburgh, I remember we had a listening party for that, and I was listening to that. I'm thinking like, this is really dull. I like pictures of you, but
0: <laughs> yeah, I just. I think I just like the the grand. You know, filmic sound things. That's what, which goes back into that Depeche Mode thing, where they lost that depth and grandiosity of music. But that's how disintegration was for me. But have you seen the killers live though?
1: Oh yeah! Oh my god! Yeah, fantastic! Yeah! Oh, you've got to do it, dude. Um, The the one time I saw them is when I had the worst seats. Uh, I'm I'm from Cleveland, Uh and my uh, daughter works at the Rock and Roll Hall of Fame. And she was cool. Yeah, right. She's uh, the director, and not just she's not just some flunky there. She's the director of fan engagement. So shout out to Fangirl. Yeah, yeah. So if you ever if you ever there, so anyway, she was interning in 2019. Cleveland is hosting the All Star Game for baseball, and she was able to. uh, we, we had to get tickets. The way Major League Baseball did it was really funky, but I had to sign up for two Major League Baseball accounts, so we wound up with the four tickets. And they played downtown in what we used to call the Hannah Mall. I don't know what they call it now. It, it's a different name, but it's between these, right next to Old Public Hall and everything. So anyway, uh, the, the, the kids from Columbus played the night before. Uh, I can't remember their name. Uh, Blurry Face. Um, why does his name always escape me? You know what I'm talking about out there. Anyway, it's they played on Friday, and then the Killers played on Saturday. And the Killers concert, we were, I was way down the side, about halfway down. I could, I could barely see them, but it was so cool in downtown Cleveland. And then they finished the show with uh, When You Were Young. The drummer, Tony's dad, is from Middleburg Heights, which is one of the suburbs. So they finished that song. He keeps drumming away, and then they start the fireworks over downtown, it, it couldn't have been cooler. That like I'll never surreal. see the yeah. And they were here a couple of weeks ago, and we were gonna go see them. And I'm like, you know what? Nothing's ever gonna top that.
0: <laughs> oh yeah,
1: yeah, yeah. It's amazing. So yeah, if you do, that's cool. If you do see them, yep. yeah. Uh, my,
0: my daughter's huge into them. So oh yeah, there you go. And and, yeah. and so she uh she was <clears throat> she was serving a, a a religious mission for the LDS Church this last year, and she was during the covid thing so it's quite difficult and because of some of the people i know i was able to get a hold of uh brandon flowers to sign a vinyl for and send oh nice them. pretty cool yeah super nice guy man yeah cool
1: yeah and he he takes his mormon religion seriously
0: yeah, yeah, he does. It's, yeah. It's, so it was he, – he has a home here and a home up in Park City, so it's kind yeah. of cool they're, they're all around. but It's yeah, interesting. Yeah, I, I've yet to see them.
1: Yeah. Oh, you, you need to, totally. Um, the interesting thing about him, too, is that as devout as he is, he says that they couldn't have come from any other place but Las Vegas, which is, yeah. how, I always thought kind of strange. I guess it's – I don't know if it kind of – it tempts him, but he stays in check or something like that. I've, I've never really uh, read any interviews where he explains that, but I thought that was – that was interesting, and I, and people hate him as a front man, but uh, really? I I love him. Uh, well, the a friend of a friend of mine who, who who's also been on the podcast, Marie Valeriano, he likes the killers just fine. He goes, oh, but he, but Brian Flowers is a terrible front man. I'm like, dude, you couldn't be more wrong. I love him. <laughs> One thing you have to watch if you haven't already, by the way, being a Pet Shop Boys fan, is uh, and although I don't think this is, I think you it's think on the
0: Brit Awards thing that he did
1: Glastonberry. No, 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 Glastonbury.
0: Oh, no, I saw, th- you saw the one where he did it with, it was him, the Petch Up Boys, and then they brought out Lady Gaga at one point.
1: I saw, yeah, yeah, I've got that. In fact, yeah. I recorded the audio for that, where they, yeah, that was fantastic. No, this is Glastonbury mm. 2019. The encore, uh, they're on the pyramid stage. The encore, they roll out Neil and Chris. They do Always On My Mind. Then they do Human. So it's Brandon Ooh. and uh, Neil singing Human. And then yeah. he excuses them. And then they bring out Johnny Marr, And they do This Charming Man, and they end with Mr. Brightside, and it's like, there will never, ever, ever be an encore like that, the history of music. That's amazing. It's insane. And unfortunately, someone put it up on YouTube. i recorded it onto a DVD, so I have it, but you can find, I think, three of the four songs still officially on there from the BBC. So as soon as this interview is over, go watch that.
0: (laughs) Okay, we'll do it.
1: Because it is so good. Um, So yeah, getting back to the the 12-inch single, though... um, there was this uh, documentary on the BBC, I should send you, I'll, I'll we transfer it to you, where Paul Morley goes over the history of it. And I don't know, do you know much about the history of the, the 12-inch single?
0: I don't, actually.
1: Yeah, I, I guess it was invented in the disco days because uh, this uh, producer named Tom Moulton, he was doing remixes but they were only doing them on seven inches and people in the clubs were liking them and he wanted to take one up to the record company in new york city he was in philadelphia and he gets to the record plant and they're like you know all we have left is the 12 inches we don't have any seven inch blanks for you he's like well crap i gotta take something up to new york you know it doesn't matter just throw it on 12 inch who cares so they put it on the 12 inch and it's loud and it's clear and it's crisp and he's like this is really cool and so that's how the 12 (laughs) inch single was born basically huh yeah
0: that's cool. Yeah, and Paul Morley does the the yeah Paul now, Morley huh? from
1: uh, yeah from, from from Zed Tang Tom Records and
0: yeah and all that yeah yeah, yeah.
1: he uh, he did he hosts the uh, documentary and interviews the the Tom Moulton guy and yeah it's it's really interesting stuff so like I said I didn't know it was a thing probably until I was in college and then I just fell in love with uh, with the format um, yeah yeah so what are some of your favorite twelve inches
0: oh man i was trying to think of that when you mentioned you know to do this podcast i was trying to think of some of the ones like some of the ones that come to mind are uh, do you, i don't know if you ever heard the highland mix of stripped yep by Depeche mode yeah yeah that one that one ranks up there um the bizarre love triangle that's on substance the that's the uh shep Pettibone remix version that they did for that that ended up being on substance kind of like an yeah. extended version yep i like love that that, that one's fantastic oh man I, I, there's just uh, Here, me, lots of the erasure ones like on the two ring circus
1: oh yeah yeah rank
0: up there rank up there pretty high um, as far as OMD one goes I love the Constant Pressure Pandora's box remix have you know. ever heard that one I don't
1: know if I have mm-hmm. that
0: one yeah that, that one's fantastic look that up if you can find it was that sometime. on a CD5 I know uh, let me see it was on the CD it was on the CD that had it was Annie McCluskey 7 inch uh, the Constant Pressure oh I must have that 12-inch. yeah no, I do have
1: that I do have that yeah yeah that one I really too, did which I still have
0: Pandora.
1: I'll go look up Pandora here wallet, and then I have, like I said, I have that uh, playlist of 12 inches. Yeah, well,
0: I, I was hoping you'd send me your playlist so I could
1: look at that. I'll have to take now, a but, picture of it or something like that because it's, okay, cool. it's in, a, yeah, I sent it. Wait oh, on, let me see, Pandora. I'm pretty sure I have that one because, yeah, that uh, I, I recognize those names of those mixes now. Constant yeah, Pressure. Don't piece, let there me it is. know. Yep, there it is. Yeah, Carl Siegel, 7 Inches, that's really good, too. I like that one. Um, yeah, that's a that's the thing. With, like, OMD and Depeche Mode and Thompson Twins, very remixable bands. Mm-hmm. Whereas some of my other favorite bands, like, Madness is a band that tried to delve into 12 Inches with not good results.
0: Not bad <laughs> results,
1: but Ska just isn't very remixable. Even no, if you, no. But, yeah. but
0: I'm sure you've heard the Pet Shop Boys version of My Girl. Oh,
1: yeah, yeah. I got that for a Christmas August present from August my daughter August. Hannah one year. Sure. And it's that's got cool. that fantastic cover of uh, the um, Coldplay song. Oh,
0: yeah, yeah, Viva Vida.
1: Yeah, yeah, that's one of my favorite covers ever. Yeah. But on my best of 12-inch list, what else do we have here? Uh, Love is a Shield, uh, the William Orbit mix. Oh,
0: Camouflage. Yeah, yeah, yeah That's yeah. a good one.
1: Yeah, uh, what else? Uh, I like the But Not Tonight US 12-inch, which is like— Oh,
0: the the the, the Robert Margoliff mix?
1: I don't I know who even really remixed it. it. Yeah, it's the one that uh, is not on the c- CD for Black Celebration, but it actually was released as... Uh, they released it as a single here. They flipped it. It was in a movie called... Uh,
0: yeah, Modern Girls.
1: Modern Girls, yes. Yeah, so they flipped it.
0: Yeah. It was
1: the A side and Stripped was the B side.
0: Yep. 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 Peshmo sure enjoyed that. <laughs> yeah, that made him quite angry.
1: But it's such a great mix. Oh, my God. It, that is probably it, one of the it, most perfect 12 inches ever because it, you, it doesn't do those tricks where they drop down to the drum, just to the drum pattern. Or any of that kind no. of crap. No, no, it's it, it highlights every little bit of the song. Oh, it's just gorgeous, absolutely gorgeous.
0: Did you, uh, did you uh, ever, were you ever into Razor made remixes? Yeah.
1: In fact, I have the, yeah. um, I got the messages one uh, from oh, a nice. buddy of mine. Yeah, yeah. That's a good one. Yeah,
0: those were that was a great service because back in the day, you know, you probably know because you were doing radio like I was, but you would sign up for those services, those remix services, and they yeah. would send you those promos.
1: Yeah, I would just they like steal like them from the radio station and record them and bring them back.
0: <laughs> yeah, yeah, and then the Razor Media service was great for that. Oh, cool remixes. Back uh, in the day. I know you're
1: a fan of this band. In fact, I'm going to try once again to get you hooked up with uh, remixing some of their stuff. Uh, Book of Love, You Make Me Feel So Good Flutter
0: Mix oh yeah yeah and and the the lullaby lullaby uh dream something dream mix i can't remember what it's yeah, called. yeah that one is yep that one's amazing i yeah. love that i love that album that's my favorite book love album is that oh really album. i
1: still love I mean, the first one
0: that a great one as well. Yeah, and yeah. Boy, they did that remix. They did a boy that came out 2000, 2002 was fantastic, too.
1: Yeah, yeah. Another very remixable band. And boy, that Ted Arriviano, what an what an unsung genius that guy is.
0: Yeah, yeah. And he's a super nice guy. We actually saw him open for Book of Love open for Human League in Vegas oh wow like oh that's ago. right yeah we, i wanted to go see that
1: so bad damn
0: and we went we went down there and saw him and they actually you know were, were just walking through the crowd to the stage and yeah. stopped and chatted it was pretty cool oh, yeah. oh cool like yeah. cool guy i follow him on facebook and talked to him a couple times there but yeah seems like a really nice guy
1: yeah yeah i remember we met him once uh i used to be in a band with a, a buddy of mine from college and uh we were, we were talking to ted backstage one time and we said dude we gotta know where do you get your drum sounds from be, and because it doesn't sound like a, like a, this is before the Alesis came out. So good drum mm-hmm. machines were hard to find. And yeah. It, do you use a, do you use a drum machine everybody goes, I sample them off all the records and run them through a sequencer. We're like, son of a bitch. Uh-huh. So we started doing that. We started sampling every drum because he
0: was back, ahead of the loop movement. Yeah.
1: Yeah. Well, back in the days you may, maybe this was before your time, but, um, with drum machines, you could get a really nice, solid kick from like a Lindrum mm-hmm. or any of those. Oh, that was fine. Even a keyboard could make a nice kick. <coughs> yeah. A snare sounded awful. Yeah. You could not yeah. get a good.
0: Cause they end up being too much low on the register. And yeah. You muffle. Yeah, yeah. And, exactly. and
1: Ted and the snares on the book of love debut, they're just crisp and they splash. And they're, I mean, they are just, those are some nice sounding snares from like, how in the world did he do that? And well, there you go.
0: Yeah, what was he using to sample with like an emu or
1: probably an emulator? I would guess. Yeah. I would figure that was probably the thing. Cause I, I don't think they were using the Fairlight, because I didn't realize this Fairlight
0: I was watching some expensive. documentary
1: yeah it was expensive and very breakdownable as it turns out really yeah yeah
0: wow.
1: um I think you know you should listen to his, uh, Martin Ware's podcast from heaven 17
0: oh my gosh yeah he went I didn't into know, there that was one
1: yeah I, I cherry-picked those just to kind of like I listened to the Tom Bailey one and the Howard Jones one but I think he was the one that was saying they bought the emulate or the uh, the Fairlight and they ran all these sounds through it, and then they sounded like shit. And then he, they called Australia and said, "Why is this sound so horrible?" They're like, oh, it's, not, it's not supposed to do that, mate." <laughs> they're like, "Well, crap! They, we bought three of these things." And oh they, my gosh! Yeah, yeah. They sold one to a museum uh, years ago, and I think he says he still has one uh, in his workspace. But yeah, um, and the Fairlight almost bankrupted OMD, as we know. Really? Yeah, yeah, yeah. They bought it when yeah. the uh, when Junk Culture came out. They used almost all the rest of the money they had, because uh, because dazzle ships hadn't done very well, and they bought the Fairlight with it, and then they were almost broke wow. after that. Yeah. Yeesh. Yep. Um, so let's go back. Getting let's get back to OMD for a minute. We were talking about okay. favorite remixes. What are like? Where do you kind of fall in the OMD fandom? I'm curious because it seems us American fans, me, you, Pat Fetty, kind of come on board at the same time. We kind of like that era of OMD, even though we like the whole catalog. And mm-hmm. to which the British fans, not, I'm painting with a broad brush here, the British fans are mortified. <laughs> they think, that oh, those American albums are crap. Uh, Steven A yeah, exactly. That stuff's garbage. It's too American. It's too this. Mm-hmm. It's too that. But, you know, w- where do you fall in the spectrum?
0: Uh, I, like you're saying, just kind of like the, like I said, the share tax period was where I really got into them. Um, pick it up and then into <clears throat> Pacific Age. And so, oddly enough, I'm one of the ones that probably doesn't like Crush as much as everyone else does. I was going to, my favorite I, album. <laughs> Yeah, I I don't know why. Oh, I like it. some of, like Woman Three. Well, I love on there and stuff. Yeah. I just Southern. I wasn't too big on or eighty eight seconds of Greensboro, but but um they're they're cool. Just it was just a different sound than I was probably introduced to because I was more into the synthetic sound of them. Yeah. When I got into them, Had I had they start a little earlier, that'd be different. Um, I, I like Architecture and Morality just because it's kind of cool to listen to with headphones. Oh, for sure. Uh, de- debut album, I can appreciate you know electricity and stuff. I'm not a big Bunker Soldiers fan, but you know. It just depends. So probably more the, the late eighties to nineties OMD and then the, the more recent stuff I've really enjoyed.
1: Yeah. I can listen to any era, but I, I crush is still my favorite. And I was I mentioned this to Andy one time. I like, go, Well, you know, I know everyone says architectural morality but I'm I'm a crush guy. And he goes, Is it because that where you where you came on board? And I thought, Oh, you know what? I bet that's got a lot to do with it.
0: <laughs> yeah.
1: Because <laughs> yeah. there's a lot of great memories associated with all of those exactly. songs. And that, so And that's
0: the thing. It's hard yeah. to, it's hard to actually kind of have any kind of I don't know. Independent sight on the situation because it's all affected by yeah. what memories you were doing, what you were doing in life, and it becomes the soundtrack for that experience in your life and so it has greater meaning than anyone else can read into so trying to be objectionable or uh, uh, objective out of it it'd be it'd be pretty hard to pull so
1: yeah. Wow. Well, this has been a great conversation, man. I really appreciate you taking the time here on a Sunday night oh, to, no to worries, chat. Maybe man. And we'll do this again. I, I'm
0: up for talking synths or oh, music yeah. anytime.
1: Well, we'll, we'll definitely uh, do that. Yeah, I'll try to try to get this playlist to you. Some, uh, do you have iTunes?
0: I don't. I have, a, I have Spotify. And, mm. I'm trying to think. Yeah, I could probably... Lame.
1: Uh, I was thinking the other way that I could do this. I could probably uh, dump or these... screenshot it or something. Screenshot it, yeah. And I could also even dump these onto a disk an mp3 disk oh, cool. and either mail it to you or just upload those to we transfer yeah,
0: just, you could just add through, or, or gmail or whatever you yeah yeah through
1: yeah uh, well we transfer you can um, transfer and, and, a huge it, files.
0: Need, if, I, I don't know if i was still holding out on getting you remixes or if i got them to you i don't even remember if there's anything you're uh, looking for let any, me know
1: any omd remixes you have i'll tell you what i have here i'll go let's go to my let's go let's search itunes for roger erickson oh i was, I was telling i my daughter, on I told her I was going to be interviewing for the podcast, I was thinking, yeah, when I first heard this dude, I thought, Roderick, he must be some Swedish disc jockey or something. <laughs>
0: <laughs> no, he's just some kind of shy doopy dude from okay. Southern Utah. So.
1: Okay, so I've got Woman 3, I've got Skin, I've got <laughs> Metroland, I've got History of Modern, Dollar Girl, oh, Speed of Light, I love your Speed of Light remix. Oh, another one of my favorite songs. Oh, cool. And made better, but it. it's weird that you've picked my favorite song, like Dollar Girl, is my favorite song from Liber- from Liberator. And then mm-hmm. Speed Light's is my favorite song from uh, Sugar Tax. And then Sister Mary Says is my favorite song from uh, English Electric or uh, from History Modern. Mm-hmm. So there you go. Yeah. So those are the ones I have. I'll send you a picture I of that. Might and think alike. Then you think, like, I have a bunch me... of ones
0: that are probably, I have a bunch of like, you know, failed attempt ones or something like that I should send you to. But yeah. there's a few I'm sure that you, you know, I might not have sent yeah. out or oh, shared. Oh, the other some thing, other I,
1: real quick, I wanted to thank you for, oh, I thanked you in the Facebook comments and you said this, but when I posted that remix of uh, uh, Toes by Lights, uh, and you were kind of to say it was a very good remix. Uh, yeah. I appreciated that. Yeah. Even though it didn't come out quite as well as I thought, but that was, that was fun. Uh, she had a contest where you signed up for the contest and then they emailed you all the different tracks Yeah, and yeah, so I yeah, just threw them into audacity yeah, yeah. and I was like, oh, this is great. I have to like worry about hitting the pause button, trying to stop it. And it came out about 95% of what I wanted it to sound like, but, um.
0: Holy cow! Uh, so, have do you done have you done other remixes then?
1: No, that T- toast is the only one I did because it was easy to do, and uh, I think. Well, I've tried to do ones. There was used to be a guy called DJ Ridiculous, and have you ever heard of him?
0: Yeah, yeah, yeah. He, he did I a think really does great mashups, right?
1: Right. So he did a really great remix of uh, "We Are Young" by Fun, but in the middle it gets a little nerve wracking. It, it goes mm-hmm. on a little bit too long, so I edited that down because mm-hmm. I didn't need all that. You know, dun-dun-dun-dun-dun-dun-dun-dun-dun. Okay, enough, dude. <laughs> Take yeah, it easy. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Um, but other than, like, some edits... Uh, oh, and I tried remixing Good Vibrations by the Beach Boys, and I think I've lost that mix because I have a version from an album called Rarities where in the middle it drops... Instead of doing that harmonica part in the middle and you do that really soft, gotta keep those good vibrations, it goes to a fuzz bass which sounds kind of oh, intrusive, cool. but when they come out of it, they do this vocal thing that is really cool, but there's no vocals in the beginning of that version, so I tried to glue those two versions together. So just things like that I've tried to do, but uh, not with much success. But And
0: it sounds like you're kind of a keyboard guy too, right? Yes, yeah, sort synthesizers of. And stuff.
1: Yeah, oh, yeah, okay. oh, for sure. Uh, I can pluck out melodies. Uh, when I was in the band with my friend John, and we were rehearsing, like, a lot, I did get to the point where I could like play pretty well with almost not making any mistakes, which kind of surprised me. And then one uh-huh. day we were in rehearsal doing something. And uh, he was like, wait, stop, stop. Because I, I was singing and playing a riff that wasn't the same melody, which did, I, for God knows how I did that. i could, I shocked I even did that. We've been rehearsing so much, I guess I was able to do it. And he goes, wait a minute, you're doing two things at once. I can't even do one thing at once. <laughs> and um, so, yeah, but I'm not a, a musician uh, per se. Yeah. yeah, I no. have to memorize chords, and I, then I've forgotten them all again. But, yeah, and that, I, can, I
0: can send like that, you some of that stuff. I, the synthesizer computer, world, you know, it, it, they blend over. It's why people like Vince Clark, who aren't had no musical training, can be yeah, so exactly. amazing. Because it appeals to that nerdy side of us that we also like to compose. Well, so.
1: right. Well, once I found out, at, you know, when I had my mm-hmm. Commodore VIC-20 that it could make music, I was like, wait a minute. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> this changes everything. Mind-blowing. Yeah, <laughs> I'll send you some of my stuff, too. I will warn you that cool. the um, – I'm very proud of the songs in that, well, first of all, my friend was the genius. Uh, I would like, mm-hmm. I could come up with melodies and some riffs, but he did all the chord changes. He was he, he was classically trained. He could play guitar, wow. keyboard. Yeah, so he's the genius. Look, credit where credit is due. I thought I could sing. I couldn't. I make Philoki sound like Tony Hadley. So just just be warned there. You're in for some really terrible. Look, vocals. If,
0: if Bernard Sumner has been able to get as long as he has with his vocal range, you should be. Fine.
1: Oh, if I had Bernie's voice, I'd be happy. I mean, it's just I go back to listen and <laughs> I'm like, ah, oh, and the music for the I use for my podcast, the in the theme music and the outro music and the the music I used to use to introduce the what I call the dumb bits. It's all uh-huh. my band's music, except for the vocals. Because um, I don't want someone coming back to me years and later and saying, "Hey, you're using our music on your podcast," and I've got like your episode will be this will be episode 570, I think. Holy cow! I don't want people coming back and saying yo, was 570 you know, times. Are,
0: are, are, is this is it? Your podcast only available on iTunes or is it? No,
1: it's available a- mostly wherever you get podcasts. If you okay. if you Google okay. PS tape recorder, it should the host site is Podbean, <laughs> but you should be able to get it in iTunes. Um, I or can't Spotify. put it, no, I can't put it in Spotify because I don't have a, I have to have a paid Spotify membership, I think. Oh, uh, that's lame. Yeah. The one I produce for the company I work for is in Spotify, the Cincy Shirts podcast. I think I'm mm. on Google play, but if you just type in PS tape recorder, you'll be able to listen to it somehow. Okay. It's in tune in. Cool, cool, cool. If you, yeah, yeah. So yeah. So, okay. I've got some homework. I'm going to send you a screenshot of the remixes of yours that I do have. Okay, I think I might yeah. have one of yours that's not an OMD mix. I have some recollection. I,
0: I have a tier. I've done some tier Fears, underworld, patch up boys. I've done a, a razor. Done a few of them.
1: Yeah, you may have to we transfer all those to me then?
0: <laughs> yeah, yeah, float um, yeah. Loaded through the other.
1: So I'll send you a picture of what I. No, actually, these are all I have because I typed in your name into my iTunes, and this is all all the OMD ones came up. But that was it. So so I'll take a picture I, of that.
0: And also, if you've ever, if you ever used to collect the remixes, I used to do it under the the moniker of Apathy in Motion so if you were coming across oh, those, those are also mine I
1: did, wait, I did, because um, someone must have posted one in the OMD group, I think
0: yeah, those you, those were that was me too, I really liked
1: it, then. and I can remember what song it was, I'm like, oh, this is really good <laughs> who's this apathy in yeah. motion guy <laughs> that's me, alright, problem solved, great okay, yeah, <laughs> well, well I'll go. get these out to you uh, sometime in the next few days and right. uh, again, thanks for taking the time man, and we'll uh, we'll do this no again worries. soon
0: anytime, right. anytime if you get bored and once I'm on your show, give yeah, me a yeah. call, you help myself we will uh, do, thanks Roger All right, take care.
1: Bye-bye. Roger Erickson, there you go. He's not an, an actual DJ. He doesn't do this as a full-time job, though he probably should. He's really good at it. He is actually a medical professional. I don't know if we just uh, covered that, but he has a he works in a hospital in Utah, and he is uh, he's, I guess he's pretty high up there. But he just does this as a hobby I'm on the sides, as these remixes. You're listening there in the background to his remix of Sister Mary says that was the. lead-off single from, I believe, The History of Modern from OMD, like in 2008-2009, and I guess from what he's telling us, he actually remixed it from the rough mix that was released, I guess, on the OMD website. And pretty funny that Andy McCluskey was like, why does everybody like this better than the one we did? And it's like, because it's really good, Andy, that's why. So anyway, OMD actually are really good at remixing their own stuff. Uh, it's when they let other people do it, uh, apart from Roger, that mm, things maybe don't turn out as well. It just, it all depends. I like the remix that sound like this song, I don't know. So we are up to the song of the week, kids. And this song of the week actually comes from 2018, but I just discovered it. Actually, not through NPR, not through Radio 1, but through Spotify, because my wife put on one of my daughter's playlist, Indoor Pets Radio. Indoor Pets, I think, are from the Midlands. The song we're going to hear is not from Indoor Pets, but they're really cool. Uh, the Kind of indie, uh, what, are the, what do I describe those guys as? I don't know, not really Vampire Weekend-esque, but I'm trying to think of what they, they sound like that you would know. Not 21 Pilots, but they fit right in with the whole indie scene. Tame Impala, maybe a little, kind of, they sound like. But anyway, on this Indoor Pets radio, there was a song by a group called Bad Sounds called Avalanche, from 2018. And I really like it. So I looked up and it was in Freegal. Yay. I would have bought it anyway. It's such a a great tune. They're from Bath, England, which uh, is the home of Peter Gabriel and Tears for Fears, by the way, come from there. And Bad Sounds describe themselves as being 70s hip-hop influenced, almost kind of like... Beck's a big influence as well, and you can kind of hear that. I liken them to uh, what's that, a, tribe call, a tribe called good or tribe for good that we've played on the show before where they kind of mishmash all these sounds, but it fits together real well. I guess Beck does that too. Uh, I'm not super teen on Beck, but it's kind of the same thing where they're mixing a lot of different... Sounds you wouldn't think would go well together, but they ultimately do. And anyway, this is, uh, I think this is fitting for our playout song for this after talking to Roderick about keyboards and stuff like that, because the keyboard hook in this is amazing. So from Bath, England, even though it's three years old, I give you Bad Sounds as our song of the week on PF Tape Recorder, Avalanche. So long, and thanks for listening. Bye.
0: Hit it, Joe. Oh.